0: Welcome into the first 2023 episode of Club and Country. Hope you all had a wonderful holiday season and are ready to celebrate a new year in style. We're going to have your New Year's resolutions for Nashville SC coming up toward the end of the show. This is Club and Country, the podcast of record for Nashville SC coverage from the two people who've covered the club longer than anyone in their respective disciplines. I've done it on the radio side. I'm Wes Bowling.
1: And I'm Tim Sullivan, the creator of clubcountryusa.com, where I've been, uh, I predate the USL days, so uh, the only one (laughs) doing that still at this point. So, uh, yes, I guess I have been doing it longer than anyone in my respective
0: discipline. (laughs) Yeah, and for those of you who are getting a, whose New Year's resolution is to listen to more NSC podcasts, Tim started Club and Country in December of 2017. I started a blog a couple days later that died not long after, but have been uh, part of the NSC radio team for each of their years in USL and in MLS. Tim, how were the holidays for you?
1: Very good. Not as relaxing. They're like more exhausting than relaxing, which is, I guess, always kind of a downer, but uh, it's worth it, obviously, spending time with family and seeing people and uh, all that comes with it.
0: Yeah, it's amazing Uh, when you have kids, especially how those getaways feel like work (laughs) as much as anything. They're fun, they're rewarding, but certainly when you when you wake up the next day to go back to work after the holidays you still feel the the mental bruises if you will. <laughs> uh, same here I woke up this morning and pressed this news button a lot but it was it was special went down to uh, to the orange Bowl and saw the balls beat Clemson um but was wishing of course they were in your position the Michigan Wolverines, in, in the playoffs sorry that didn't go it as, didn't, as, it didn't as go pumped. so hot so ah, frustrating <laughs> we'll get into happier topics and, and we'll talk about soccer here today which is of course um, the primary driver of this podcast, with college football being a close second a lot of days. Um, <laughs> today we're gonna we're gonna just do a, a New Year's reset, if you will. Let's talk about where Nashville SC's roster stands, how we might expect them to add to that roster and win. We're going to be Academy too, as there are a lot of players working their way up very slowly toward either the senior roster or towards some sort of higher level soccer. And a few of them received some recognition here in recent days, and then we'll get into your mailbag. Shocked to learn that many of you are interested in a potential DP striker don't know where that idea came from. What? No way. Uh, but let's get into that question and more and, and talk through what we can expect in the new year from Nashville Soccer Club. Before we do all of that, though, of course, Tim, we are happy to announce that ML Rose is staying on for another year. ML Rose is going to continue to sponsor this show. And um, it's good because I think I've only talked about 28 of their 32 menu items. So we've got, <laughs> got four more to go. Really excited, though, to continue to be working with them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm excited uh, when the U.S. Women's National Team plays at Geodas Park um, in just over a month. Got a lot of people coming into town who have never been to Nashville and they're like, hey, Tim, we've been listening to your podcast. We are ready to check out what ML Rose is all about. And that's exactly what we love to hear. Obviously, um, the, you know, the reason they sponsor this podcast is because they want more people to hear about them. And we are all so happy to uh, spread the good word about them.
0: ML Rose is going to be the place to go as you go through your dry run for the season by going to She Believes Cup. Support women's soccer. Support the World Cup champion U.S. women's soccer team. And go to ML Rose either before or after. Have a great time and get used to that routine, because again, the 8th Avenue location is located about a you know, 10, 15 minute walk away from the stadium. We can't officially tell you to park there for games and walk, <laughs> but we can tell you it has been done before by each of us. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it is it is something that can be done. And it's uh, more importantly, a great place to have that that uh, football fellowship, if you will, uh, before and, and after matches. Emil Rose, great burgers, great beer list, a lot of other food too. And you can turn any Meat burger into a veggie burger, an impossible burger. So it's great for uh, for vegetarians and vegans as well, as we've personally experienced. Um Yeah. Anything else before we get into the meat of the show? Meat. Uh the, the or or the veggie of the show, depending the veggie on of the your show. preferences. We're not gonna discriminate. <laughs> you know what? Yes, however, you get your nourishment, we're here to give it to you. And we're gonna start With our gold nuggets in our early shout, where does the roster currently stand? Let's let's talk through that first, because Nashville SC ended up recycling a lot of their roster, but there Mm -hmm. are still some question marks and still some openings and perhaps big ones. So Tim, let's start with the guys who are currently under contract, and that includes their most recent first round super draft pick.
1: Yeah, Joey Skinner. Um, because of the nature of being a generation Adidas draft pick, which we've we've talked about in the past, those players sign with Major League Soccer before they even uh, are drafted in the Super Draft, which obviously happened a couple weeks ago. Uh, Listen to our last show if you want to listen to Natural SC's results about it. But yeah, so he's he's you know automatically placed on the roster. He's in. Uh, occupying an off-budget position, as Generation Adidas players always do. Uh, Major League Soccer picks up the whole tab there, but we know since Nashville has super-drafted him, they have not just drafted him, they have super-drafted him, (laughs) um, he is going to be on the roster unless NSC moves his rights.
0: No word on their mediocre draft picks, but the super-draft picks, (laughs) at least one of them will automatically issue draft. Available and, and likely going to be on that next pro team, you would think, um, mm-hmm. to at least start the season. Um, one player reportedly will not be with the club, has turned down the opportunity to sign, and that is forward Alex Minard. Yeah, and that one makes sense. We
1: talked about it in the aforementioned uh, draft episode that this is a kid who's from Estonia, so he re- would require an international slot. We have seen Nashville SC move those international slots pretty readily. They are, are down to a very limited number. And, you know, a rookie, uh, second, or maybe even third round draft pick, I, I don't exactly remember mm-hmm. what his draft position was, but. You know, a rookie that that is a low draft pick that is going to require an international slot. It makes a lot of sense that Nashville SC wasn't really pushing him to sign. And it it makes sense from his perspective that he either wants to, uh, you know, finish his studies at, at the University of Tulsa and then and then move on with life or finish his studies at the University of Tulsa and then, you know, head back to Estonia and, and play
0: soccer there, perhaps. I mean, it's not the best UT out there, but best of luck to him <laughs> in his education. And just I think it, they're I
1: think they're TU to be fair they they are uni- it's like Nebraska they're University of yeah. Tulsa where they go by TU. It's yeah.
0: Kind of like all those Big Twelve schools do that. Yeah, University of Colorado is CU Boulder. All that stuff. It's true. Well, there's only one true UT anyway. Sorry Texas. Sorry <laughs> Tampa. Thank like, you. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Uh, so again, it's not exactly a miss when, when you have a guy in late round draft pick, if this is your <laughs> first round guy, that's really disappointing. But uh, again, he's set. You know, that you're getting, you're rarely going to see those second or third rounders hit the pitch. A uh, couple other guys who are currently under contract though, that we don't expect to be with the team, two big names, maybe the two biggest tweeted <laughs> names related to this club over the past couple of years, Rodrigo Pinero and Ake Loba again, currently technically on roster, but there are reports to around both of those guys being gone. Yeah,
1: Pinheiro has been mentioned to either return to Union Española, where Nashville SC loaned him last year, um, really quickly. That's in Chile. So the Southern Hemisphere uh, has, a, has a traditional like English-style season, but since their seasons are opposite of ours, <laughs> their seasons run basically on a calendar year, even though they play over the winter. Um. Yeah. It's either that, or he's been rumored to head to Russia. I have honestly not kept up that much because the the long term answer is he's not going to play with Nashville SC in all likelihood. Naga Naga not, um,
0: not, not going yeah. to work here anymore.
1: Yeah. Wilba has signed uh, with Liga MX's Mazatlán uh, through at least the summer window. Um, Nashville SC hasn't announced whether that's a loan or a transfer um Mazatlan left it vague as to what the length of his contract with them is they said he is signing for the clausura which is the second half of the Mexican season which is kicking off in a couple weeks here that could mean that that's the the entire extent of his time with them or it could mean that he signed a permanent contract and they're just kind of pumping up the excitement for their for their clausura campaign we'll see it my guess is that um, that it is a loan for this you know, half of the season, half of the Major League Soccer season. And then Mazatlan is going to have a, a purchase option from Nashville SC after that. But it is just a guess. Nashville has has been pretty quiet about what mm. the actual nature of that move for Loba is going to be.
0: So turn on the Fop, Mob or SOFA score notifications for Aki Loba and be his biggest <laughs> fan if you want the biggest transfer fee uh, possible for that. Obviously, you want him to perform well if that is indeed Alone. And it'll be very interesting to see what of the reported six point eight to seven million dollar fee they can recoup from that, which of course I'm
1: guessing not very much. Not <laughs>
0: not as much as that for sure. <laughs> Whatever you do get, because the DP comes back to you in again straight cash that you're able to convert mm-hmm. if you want to in to you the can, ability. So
1: you can only convert it once you recoup your six point eight million dollars. So right. if okay. they sell him for less than six point eight million dollars, that is only cash. That is not right. Uh, well, and
0: that, so okay. I said convert. I, I that was a terrible term. I, I was gonna say parlay into obviously a future yeah. signing if they choose yeah. not converted to gam yeah that's yeah thanks for that clarification that's great gam being general allocation money more on on gam here in just a little bit so that covers ake that covers Panero, and that leaves us at 26 players we expect to be around again the roster can be up to 30 members so the guys we expect to be around then 23 returners that includes jacob schaffelberg who was bought after his loan from toronto and then three additions so far in the offseason we've talked about joey skinner also lawrence wyke former Tampa Bay Rowdy, former Atlanta United man, and Fafa Pico, of course, the trade announced uh, late last year, a a pure wing player who's going to add a lot of speed on the flanks. So then four slots left and Nashville can fill both of its homegrown slots with some combination of Hanwala Buana, who's still around, Schaffelberg and Ethan Zubak. So I think the question that, that many are asking, question we'll talk about today, Tim, where does Nashville need reinforcements? What do they need to do with those four slots?
1: Yeah, we're going to get a lot of questions that are a little bit more targeted towards this in the mailbag, but striker feels like the obvious one. You know what you're getting from CJ Sepong, you know what you're getting from Teal Bunbury, and it can be pretty good. But does Nashville want to live with pretty good? They obviously signed Ake Loba hoping uh, for more out of him and it just didn't work out. A version of Hani Mukhtar that is playing with with CJ Sapong can be Major League Soccer MVP, but a version of Hani Mukhtar that is playing with a DP striker who who is earning his DP salary can um maybe be a little bit less statistically impressive for Hani, but um you know lead to a better team, lead to better results in the MLS Cup playoffs.
0: I have to agree there. I think they need that reinforcement striker, and I think they need it as soon as possible. My my question would be whether whether that reinforcement is acquired as a DP. Um, just as a like-for-like replacement of Loba, or if you think their GAM situation is suitable, that they could spend the million or million-plus <laughs> that would be required <laughs> to to get a striker within the league who uh, who is not a free agent.
1: Yeah, and it is a situation where we've seen Nashville be very content to stay within the league, not only because of the mechanisms that, that they can kind of parlay to their advantage, but because then you do get guys who are already um, you know, either naturalized citizens or green card holders. And those guys don't hold international slots or don't require international slots. And we know Nashville is very willing to get rid of their international slots because they believe they can find those guys who count as domestic players from within the league. So there's a there's an advantage to doing it that way. And there, there's an advantage to doing it globally, wherein you probably get a better player overall. <laughs>
0: yeah, and, and to get pure goals, typically you have to go... Outside the league and spend that DP level money to get the the level to me. I don't think you want to replicate another Sapong or another Bunbury. Those two can add, and, and
1: those are those are good players.
0: They're good players. Nashville, exactly.
1: Nashville already has those two players. Right. They that's where some that's players. where
0: exactly where I'm going, and and even somewhat similar styles there. I think you know to to have your you know your real talismanic uh, number nine who can play off of Hani, who can you know be a, a blend of this of the target forward and the and the speedster, you know some blend of that. Um, would be certainly helpful, uh, but everybody wants one of those, so <laughs> might might come, will come, probably at significant cost, either of general allocation money or um, or of, of DP level cash funds. Uh, I'll mention a number eight as well, somebody to to come into that central midfield. I think we saw last year that Nashville can't rely on Dax McCarty and Anibal Godoy to each go thirty plus games. Sean Davis, a tremendous addition to be an heir apparent, one of those two spots, but uh, I would imagine Nashville's looking for answers to fill the other one to be a box to box uh, type of player, you know, the name Eric Williamson comes to mind and has been informally linked with Nashville. He's this year, Sean Davis for us, probably (laughs) saying, this is the guy you need to get. So we're going to look and act like we're real smart if that ends up happening. But I got to think the number eight uh, or some somewhere in that central midfield core has to be a priority as well.
1: Yes. It's interesting because regardless of, of what the specifics are, it does feel like Nashville, which has been a team built by a strong spine, needs to reinforce that spine. That seems like it's where it makes the most sense to add reinforcements, even though, even though the wings have and the wings and the fullbacks, I guess I should include both have, have been solid. Um, they haven't been game changers, but it feels like for whatever reason, going up the middle is, is a little bit more of what they need.
0: Clickbait headline. Could a French world cup player and former <laughs> Arsenal and Chelsea star be Nashville's answer Up top, Uh, Taylor Twelman saying on Twitter, quote, keep an eye on Olivier Giroud. Turned down the latest offer from Milan. is real interesting. Coming to MLS and is currently exploring it with a few teams. 36 years old, but still fit and in the right situation. He works and could score goals. Now, we have to say Twelman did not mention Nashville or any individual team in link with Olivier Giroud. Bad
1: SEO on his part, man.
0: Very, exactly. (laughs) At least put it in the alt text of the image, right? So with that in mind, Does he, does he fit Nashville? Is that a reasonable expectation to think that perhaps he could be an answer here? We've
1: been waiting for, for Nashville to make that, that name splash. Right. And we've, we've actually kind of, I don't, I don't know if I would call it tinfoil heading or if it's just kind of the way we've seen the build is the first year, you know, the, the products mere existence was so notable the second year um, coming off of the COVID season, the fact that they're playing a mostly normal season last year, the opening of Geotis Park was the hook. Would that huge DP, big name player, not not necessarily a guy who's going to perform at a high level, because we have already seen Hani do that, but he was not a big name when he came in. Could that name player be the the year four hook for Nashville SC? I think it would make sense. Um, you know, Giroud's style of play is extremely compatible with the, with the Gary Smith system that we've seen over the past three years. So that is something that would make it a perfect fit. I- I'll believe Nashville SC has, you know, the-, the Zlatan, the Chicharito, that that sort of huge name player, the Messi. I, I think we we can report that he did not sign with Inter-Miami. Uh, uh, I think we haven't seen them make that plunge yet, but I do think that they eventually will. And that-, that is the sort of player that would make perfect sense for Nashville, especially because no transfer fee if they wait until the summer to land him too.
0: Yeah, that would be a major, major thing. And then you're talking just about wages and it would be at a DP level. You would certainly imagine. And so it's a question of cost and in a world in which apparently sporting Kansas city was (laughs) really close to signing Cristiano Ronaldo. Hey, rule nothing out, but for every 100 names you see linked to Nashville SC or any other MLS team, maybe five are actually even in discussion at any given point that even Mm -hmm. fewer happening. So it it would certainly be a fit, but always want to include that, that qualifier, Uh, from globals, established superstars to Young future superstars, Nashville hopes. Let's get into the academy a little bit. And this is an area that we're going to really explore throughout this year as some of these academy players could maybe potentially find themselves at MLS, MLS Next Pro in Huntsville. Uh, certainly that's, that's a priority for them, if not now, then in the near future. Um, there are some who have been mentioned not only as – promising players but as potentially elite players in their age group uh, four under 17s were named by usmnt prospects it's a well-known twitter account that's really doing a lot of this great scouting work it's named among their top 100 players in their age group so for the 05 group that's keeper justin cox defender alejandro carrillo both rank in the 70s in that list and a couple of 2006 guys as well Forward, Adem Civic number 15. And uh, also from 06, Alejandro Velasquez Lopez, ranked number 46. It's clear, Tim, that while Nashville SC's academy, understandably, doesn't have Mm -hmm. the depth of established academy teams, the ability to have the residential academy, the investment Nashville's putting into this is starting to already pay off.
1: Yeah, and it's something where um, a lot of these guys in the academy are coming from all over the country. Um, Cox, I believe, played for a different MLS Next Academy in the previous year. But but you look at Carrillo. That's a kid from Antioch. You you can uh, check him out on clubcountryusa.com if you go back to uh, August, whenever the MLS All-Star game was. Adem Sipic is a kid from um, Bowling Green. These are guys who are... Very close to home, and it's really cool to see that not only is Nashville SC focused on acquiring the best talent possible and, and finding the guys wherever they can, but they truly are developing guys from home territory. And, mm-hmm. and hopefully, in the future, you'll see that pay off with not only a better Nashville soccer club and a, and a Nashville soccer club on better financial footing as some of these guys, you know, move on and, and are hopefully you know sold overseas to top European clubs, but also. It's helping soccer in the area. And, and mm-hmm. as much as we as we do um, you know, follow Nashville SC, and that's that's what this podcast is all about, the growth of the game itself in Middle Tennessee is so important and it's something that we
0: love to see. And it gives those, you know, smaller clubs around in the area and the the non-MLS academies yeah. a, a little bit of, of extra incentive and certainly really the kids playing for them. You know, Eddie Carvacho, good good friend of the show and uh, NSC, you know, color commentator this past year, he helps head up. He's the director of coaching for Mm -hmm. uh, for a major academy here in the area and he said look you know we're not going to stand in the way of one of our players going to nsc's academy that's great we want to partner with those guys and certainly we want the talent to stay with us we believe we can develop them but many of these kids are seeing it as development to the point that they can then slide into an mls academy and get those extra opportunities and so i think you're exactly right it raises the standard of those local clubs as well and gives them not even necessarily a funnel system not everybody's gonna get there, but but certainly an objective to to work toward on an individual level. Um by the way, Shaq Moore's brother Tyrell um potentially could be with the NSC Academy. Tim, fill us in on what we know there.
1: Yeah, it's a little weird because he he isn't listed on the Nashville SC U17 roster, but um, you know, according I, I got a tip elsewhere and then looked at transfer market and they have in September that he moved from the Atlanta United Academy. Um, obviously Shaq born in Atlanta, mostly grew up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, but has roots in Atlanta still um, moved in September. And, and we'll see that's a kid who obviously his, his brother uh, you may have heard as a professional player. Um, he played for Nashville SC played for the United States in the world cup this year. Um, right now, Tyrell is in Trinidad. Um, his, uh, Shaq and Tyrell's dad, Wendell is a former Trinidad international and Wendell uh, may have a son following in his footsteps, even though Shaq chose the United States. Um, Tyrell is, is with the U-17s for Trinidad and Tobago and and potentially um, joining them for the CONCACAF U-17 championship. It's definitely something to keep an eye on. Even if he weren't in the Nashville SC Academy, it, it is a an NSC player's younger brother who's, who's getting international looks. And that's something that um, you know, would be notable on its own. But um, assuming that the report that he is with NSC is correct, um, Tyrell could be a guy who, um, despite <laughs> despite not being U.S. eligible, if he if he does pick Trinidad, um, could be a, an NSC Academy success story and sign with Nashville down the road.
0: Another success story from Brentwood to Berkeley: U17 midfielder <laughs> Eli Walks commits to Cal. Uh, so a good college opportunity here uh, coming up for one of these NSC Academy uh, soon-to-be products.
1: Yeah, he he's a kid who who is is from Northern California and moved to Nashville uh, to move to the academy. And like you mentioned when we were, when we just first started talking about the academy stuff a second ago, it might be a while before they produce a Nashville SC pro. It might be even a while before the academy itself, um, you know, produces a a true homegrown MLS next pro player for Huntsville. But a lot of kids who are in MLS academies go on to play in college and then they either go on to the pros or they, or they end up doing something else with it, with their college degree. But from a Nashville perspective, you need to start a pipeline to the next level, whether that next level is a first team contract with Nashville SC or getting a college scholarship. That is how you attract top talent. If, if guys aren't going to immediately go pro they want the opportunity to parlay your academy into a college scholarship, and and Wox has done exactly that, and it's it's really cool to see Nashville. It's so weird because we've been talking about the academy as as almost theoretical for the last <laughs> couple of years, and suddenly yeah. you're starting to see the fruits of the labors that all those guys, um, you know, too many of them to name, but certainly um, Mike Jacobs involved with that, Alan O'Connor involved with that, some of the guys who are putting in a ton of work to make sure the Academy is going to be, um, I, I don't want to say one of the best in major league soccer. That's that's asking a lot to be up there with like the, <laughs> the Phillies and Dallases of the world. Sure. But they're, they're, they want it to be a productive Academy and it looks like they're on the right track.
0: Ambition, not a sense of obligation there. This is mm-hmm. certainly an area where the club wants to continue to, to grow. Um, speaking of growing, the waistline grew a little bit last year working on some <laughs> new year's resolutions. And one of them is to eat better. The beautiful thing is that, i still go to ML Rose. There are healthy options there. We mentioned the vegan and, and veggie burgers, but, but a number of other great options. My wife rarely is going to go out and get a big burger. Loves a good burger. We all do, but but has really gotten into the salads there. The, the spicy Thai chicken salad, a favorite of mine. It's great, Tim, that you can go to ML Rose. You can have the same sports bar experience, but if you want to go on the lighter side, there are a number of options. And it's not like, here's a salad, but here's a ton of bacon on it to where it's not really a salad. <laughs> if you want that, you can, I'm sure they'll give it to you. Actual healthy options there for those of us who are doing the cliche New Year's resolution thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and for those of you who are, I congratulate you. I'm still going to go there and, and have a bunch of different beers, <laughs> and that's, pro- <laughs> that's probably way less healthy than than any uh, any sort of calorie count from the from the solid portion of the diet. But it is it is uh, a situation where you you can uh, maybe eat a little bit lighter because you know that you want to have a couple of of heavier beers in the winter. Mm-hmm. You might want to have some IPAs in the summer they're always going to have a variety of the beers that you can um, kind of choose your own adventure. And you know what? They have some lighter beers on tap too. They always they are going to have something that's a little bit uh, more in line with Wes's New Year's <laughs> resolution. And
0: we're talking light, You know, if you want a macro, they got those too, but light local beers too. Mm-hmm. There's a good good variety there where you can still support local businesses. Uh, and I think more than being the, the health center for me and trying to be healthier, which I just mentioned I'm going to do, it, it's also a really good cheat day place. You know, hey, this is soccer <laughs> day. This is a College Bowl National Championship next Monday. I'm going to go, I'm going to have a beer and a burger because any sane diet requires you to step outside the diet for a day or two and do what you need mm-hmm. to do for yourself to, to keep you sane. Otherwise, it's not sustainable. So ML Rose, whether you want to go healthier or want to give yourself a bit of a break, um, they have those options for you. All right. In a minute, your Nashville SC New Year's resolutions. But first, your mailbag questions are going to start up top. Of course, Sean White. Is there a new DP striker on the way? And T.L. Edwards, if, as I have seen speculated, the club's going to wait until summer. And Tim, you speculated that earlier on this show to upgrade it forward would that mean an international signing?
1: Yeah. um, Yeah. Tracy, that's a a really good point. I would be surprised if it came before the summer window. Um, There's always a possibility because the the staff is going to pay attention to any situations that arise and they're going to try to take advantage of them. If there are situations that kind of play to their advantage in terms of acquiring talent, Um, maybe not exactly when they planned, but the, the preference has been to add talent when you have half of the season of um it completed you have a half season of data on what you need we saw it with jander Cadiz. we saw it with ake loba uh, obviously those worked out um not 100 no, percent. loba less so than than Cadiz. but to go back to the druid example above if you wait until summer when his uh, milan contract is up you get him on a free transfer and the fact that if you're looking for an international striker that is when their season is over and, and the club that they are currently with doesn't feel like they need to replace them immediately or they're willing to say, okay, end of this season, that's probably the end of the road for our relationship. It makes more sense then for Nashville from a monetary perspective too no transfer fee or European clubs willing to sell cheaper. If it's an international player, the summer makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. Along those lines of talking about forward help, um, super Wilbur, first-time question ask her, I believe, why do we keep selling all these international slots? Do we not want to give Hani any help? So Nashville has sold several, what, four to five now? Seven. Seven. Seven of its international slots. There you go. Um, and it sold them for anywhere between about 150 and 200,000 in general allocation money that it can use to buy down current salaries or acquire other players. And so I think there is concern here, Tim, that by getting rid of these international slots, it's going to be much harder to bring somebody in to give the elite level help up top. So I guess sticking on the theme you were hitting on, talk about that.
1: Yeah, I I, I kind of push back on the concept of needing international slots to help Hani. First and foremost, this guy was the MVP without them. Um, realistically, one of the two guys who took up an international slot last year, Ake Lobo, was uh probably one of the worst players to see the field that's not you know a necessary i don't intend that as as a roast of him but it is a situation where he took up an international slot and wasn't helping the team so clearly you don't need that international slot to help the team meanwhile honey doesn't require an international slot and he's the reigning league mvp um joseph martinez won mvp when he didn't require an international slot so that's all to say that that there are guys out there who don't require international slots. And I haven't even gotten into guys who are Americans and or developed in college soccer that have had success over the years. So, I mean, whether or not we agree philosophically and, and generally I do agree philosophically with Mike Jacobs, he values $200,000 in general ad- allocation money more than an international slot. And, and so far, given the results, um, he, uh, he has a much better hit rate finding guys from within the league anyway, so far. So it's hard to say that he's been proven wrong in terms of um, th- those values being what he should be
0: looking for. Keeping you on the rapid fire path here, back to Tracy, speaking of general allocation money, how much of GAM, or how, what would much of GAM go to league acquisition in preseason? Yeah, that's absolutely one possible use. I've mentioned
1: a few times on here, and I, I wrote a piece about it, gosh, probably back in November, maybe that acquiring GAM doesn't necessarily mean it just sits in an imaginary bank account. NSC has to spend two or three million of it, often more than that, to fit their current roster into the budget. These guys have gotten raises over the course of the the three years to date, and and will probably many of them get raises going into the fourth year. So that's a big part of of the answer of where all that GAM goes or why Mike Jacobs is getting all that GAM. Yes, he wants to save some of it to spend externally. But a lot of it just goes to making sure that you, you keep the, the ship going the way it is right now. Um, so that said there there is gam to spend um i i don't have the number in front of me i tried to pull it up and i realized that my piece was was already well out of date but i would anticipate Nashville does make some acquisitions before the season begins on Mm intra-league trades Mm -hmm. but a a player like fafla Picot with his you know long track record of of success in this league only cost a hundred thousand dollars in general allocation money plus um, possibly a little bit more in performance incentives down the road so some of that war chest can be spent without running out there's a lot in there That, um, you know, when you look at the exchange rates for some of these players, it's not going to, you know, break the entire bank and you're still getting a productive guy.
0: And I think that's the strength of Mike Jacobs and it's been borne out scouting those players and finding value in guys like mm-hmm. Schaffelberg is an incredible example of the value they got out of an asset that Toronto just didn't work. It didn't fit yeah. tactically anymore. And, and I think, too, I've, I've been warned in the past by by folks at the club when we talk about that game discussion, exactly what you just warned as well, which is so much is going to go into stabilizing your core mm-hmm. and that core gets more expensive. If it succeeds, you get new contracts. You want to keep guys around and keep that. Continuity. You have to pay,
1: you have to pay the performance incentives that guys hit. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. People don't really realize that, that, that it, it is kind of, you know, earmark budgeted, but it, when you have to pay those out, that that, that makes it tougher to continue holding onto your game that you do have available
0: yeah it's it's not the sexy answer, and it's not always the most transparent thing in the world to know exactly what's available for them versus trades, but I think we have to keep that in mind, and I know that there's ambition that the current core is probably not your m l s cup champions. you need yeah. to do more but you have to start with something and continuity has been an asset for Nashville SC. Yeah.
1: And that's exactly what I was about to say. I understand people wanting it to be spent on adding to the core because the core is good, but I think we've seen um, each of the past three years in the playoffs. It's it's good, but it's not MLS cup caliber. So maintaining isn't going to get this club to MLS cup, especially when you look at some of the key players who aren't getting any younger, um, which mm-hmm. I guess nobody there is getting any younger kind of by definition, <laughs> but when you look at when you look at you know giving a raise to Dax McCarty who is who's thirty five probably maybe thirty four still, yes that's an important thing that you do but you also need to continue to augment that so I definitely understand where the fan is coming from as well.
0: Yeah, I mean the MLS Cup champs we've seen do it through a combination of maintaining for a while that core and spending mm-hmm. smartly within the league and selectively pouring a dump truck of cash somebody's way to 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 be that difference maker. Uh, so let's spend some game let's let's augment that core <laughs> travis pool asking for a choice between or among three players most likely for nashville to land eric williamson number eight out of portland jeremy Abobasi, striker out of san jose or keeper sean johnson from nyc fc i'll start with this and give you just a break for being the first person to automatically answer <laughs> all these the guy that i would certainly want out of those three would be eric williamson Abobese would be smart uh, up top. But again, does he just kind of give you more of, of the same? He's, he's scored a lot of goals for a bad San Jose team and might be an overpay to get him. Sean Johnson, I see no need to prioritize the game it would take to get a guy like that in net when you've got Joe Willis, who's a dependable veteran, who's with you probably at least another year, and potentially his heir apparent, Elliot mm-hmm. Panico, who's going to get a lot of cup opportunities this year, presumably to develop his skills. So my priority list, Williamson, absolutely. a Bobasi, Nice, but might be an overpay. Sean Johnson, no chance.
1: Yeah, I think you nailed it. I don't think any of them are particularly likely. Uh, like you said, Nashville has stu- two starting caliber keepers already. Um, Sean Johnson would be the most expensive for them to add. Wh- whatever he was making with NYCFC last year, he would require a raise uh, to come to Nashville in free agency. And um, you know, there's just you know surplus to requirements. It just doesn't make sense with the way Nashville's roster is constructed. They don't want to pick somebody to compete with Joe Willis unless it's Elliot Panico. They don't want to lose Elliot Panico by ha- having three starting caliber keepers on the roster. Just doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, Jeremy Obobesey is a nice striker. I have consistently felt like he's underrated. I've, I've probably said that in this space. If not, uh, I think anybody who's talked to me about MLS knows how I feel about Obobesey, but I don't, I don't. I think maybe he isn't the kind of like capitalize on an elite number 10 behind him. Obviously that number 10 would be Hani because the Timbers had had one of those um, they 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 had uh sebastian blanco they've had some really good number 10s and they didn't really want to play a with, see, as the striker with that guy they a- almost always shunted him out to the wing uh, where they i think felt like they were getting more out of him maybe that's a stylistic play maybe it's the timbers not being very good at kind of figuring out some of those things they've had a reputation for that but either way like you mentioned which i hadn't even thought of when i was when i was kind of brainstorming on this one is He is, he is a a pretty similar player to what you're going to get out of, I think, especially Teal Bunbury. He's like a younger Teal Bunbury. Um, CJ has a little bit different style, but it's, it's not adding something new. It's not, if you're trying to add to your strikers, you want to add something that's going to be a game changer. Williamson makes the most sense positionally. Um, You know, he's a number six slash eight who can get plenty of time to groom for the eventual retirements of, of Dax McCarty and Anibal Godoy. But you already do have Sean Davis, who we've mentioned a couple times and you have Brian and Nunga this, this, Franchise is still really high on Brian Anunga. Um, He might be limited in terms of his passing range and stuff in a way that Williamson isn't. But he is a guy that this club sees as valuable to them. That's a lot of roster uh, at one position group, mm-hmm. especially when you look at. I mean, I, McCarty and Gadoy are, are probably still your starters. They are not 34 game players or however many there are going to be when you add in the League's Cup this year. When you add in U.S. Open Cup, but those are guys that that you still want to give first priority and playing time to you don't probably need a fifth, uh, you know, central midfielder at that point.
0: That's the hard part, right? Uh, Cause I think on one hand I see that on the other, I see, look, when you're pushing late in the game, you've worn out two of your three midfielders putting in a guy like Brian and Nunga, who we both respect and uh, admire. in the 75th minute is not exactly an attacking substitution. You know, he's better at stabilizing. So some question marks there for sure. Um, T Connor seemed pretty clear. That the most pressing needs were offensive creativity in the midfield and scoring help for Hani. Where's the work he asks to address those needs.
1: Yeah, I, I know it didn't really work out kind of on the scoreboard last year, but the, the, the scoring help for Hani, at, at least in terms of what is realistic before the summer window, <laughs> for the reasons that we've already talked about is already on the roster. Um, CJ Sapong and Randall Leal um combined to undershoot their expected goals. Uh, by a combined four and a quarter goals. Now, one of those uh, was was layall and, and three and a quarter of them <laughs> were CJ. Um, but the, these are not guys that historically undershoot their their expected goals values, and most players are not. We don't need to go into that <laughs> that little tangent again. But I, I think the production was basically already there last year. The fact that it it didn't always get converted is is a shame, but it's not something that you have to worry about recurring. And then you look at Jacob Schaffelberg coming in late in the season. He added about a half of an expected goal plus expected assist per game. That's quite a bit of offense to add um, to a for um, in the form of a guy that was not getting a lot of run at his former club. And then you look at all of that and Nashville was still eighth in the league in scoring. I I know that's only Mm -hmm. like basically just over top third at this stage, but with everything kind of going wrong um, in the attack, that's a little bit of an overstatement other than Hani most things weren't clicking as well as they should have. And it was still a pretty productive offense. I think, you know, just kind of regression to the mean and, and getting to where things should be. It feels like you're going to get the scoring from there.
0: Well, and the speed of a Pico on one side and the Schafferberg mm-hmm. on the other really is going to give you the potential to open up the game and give Hani even more space. And we would both agree. We can't have Hani scoring that same proportion of your goals next yeah. year. Nashville needs help. If that helps not on the roster Pico again, coming in is a backup plan. There is a primary plan. But uh, I think you do need some other backup plan as well. And that's why Nashville is likely not done uh, supplementing its roster. From attack to defense, Garrick Ledford, should we expect more four at the back or five at the back in the 2023 season? And uh, in a minute, we'll give you his New Year's resolution as well. So we asked you guys for your New Year's resolutions for Nashville SC. Garrick, the first is in one in. But back to his question, defensive formation, what do you expect?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be an emphasis on the back four with occasional forays into the back five. And it's simply because that's what we've seen most of the time. Yes, Nashville went with that kind of 3-4-3, three, 3-5-2 three, three, hybrid-ish thing. Um, as I, I would say, I guess a base formation last year, whereas previously the the back three has been a change up. But you can look at what they're adding this offseason. If you add Fafa Pico, it's because you plan to play with wingers, not with wingbacks. And I think that kind of... Um, it's, it's not necessarily a giveaway, but it's a tell that the idea is to play with a back four and and let those wingers, you know, play in, in part of a front four that has a striker and and obviously Hani in the middle
0: as well. Best way to get Schaffelberg on the field too, Pico, mm-hmm. similar style player, while still getting Layal in, um, if you can, in a four-four-two type of of setup. I think certainly is is the optimal look. The good news is everybody pretty much besides a a Schaffelberg, maybe a Pico. Can can pretty can, can adapt to to that yeah. three man you know back line or five at the back that you need. Jack Moore can certainly do both if he needs to, and, and did both with some effectiveness for Nashville. But again, he was brought in to fill out that back four as you yeah. as you mentioned. All right, New Year's resolutions for Nashville SC. We're gonna start with yours, and then um, put Tim on the spot and give <laughs> ours as well. Garrick echoing what most of you would say here probably, and many of you did. Make a striker DP signing that sticks. That is the best case scenario and the best uh, path for Nashville to a top finish in the Eastern Conference. Uh, our good friend Will Reiners, maybe the other top one for you guys, make Jodas Park a fortress. It's the foundation of a successful run to the playoffs and can't, can't help but think, Tim, of what last year looks like if Nashville starts stronger yeah. at home.
1: Yeah, I I think, uh, you know, you are going to put me on the spot and I'm sitting here brainstorming. (laughs) That seems like a pretty good starting point for me is is to make Geotis a fortress because that was the one thing holding NSC back from an elite year last year.
0: Uh, Yeah, I'll... uh... I'll keep ticking off the other ones while you think of yours. And I'll even give mine, <laughs> give mine here before it, before yours first, John Mueller though. Can I resolve that as fans get that, that we as fans get merch that doesn't suck. He says, fanatics <laughs> is just so generic and blah, and also a center forward signing. So merch first goals, second. For, uh, for John Wheeler. Um, <laughs> Brian Wilson, um, intra-league options at the number eight position. So again, a la Eric Williamson at the six slash eight. I'm with you there completely. That's a great, great resolution. He has a personal one as well to make three to five away matches in 2023. Tim, if you're planning your Eastern Conference away match schedule, what are the three destinations as they help you stall a little further or put you on the spot <laughs> that you'd make sure you had to hit this year?
1: Yeah, I think Montreal, not least of which because that city rules, but Mm -hmm. that's going to be a team that is so interesting this year with the amount of change that has happened to their roster. NYCFC also changing their roster a lot, but I have kind of a lot of faith that City Football Group is always going to put out not only a, a... high performing team but a team that is actually really fun to to watch and experience in person and i think the last one that i that i really want to see is probably charlotte fc and that's yeah. that's more of a revenge game for nashville fc because of how poorly their trip to the queen city went last year you would obviously uh, love to not see a 4-1 loss <laughs> this time and i think nashville kind of has that one circled as a trip that they can kind of rectify a past wrong
0: may 20th so work memorial day and take a long weekend the weekend before that or don't work Memorial and <laughs> honor honor those who you know who deserve to be honored that day but but also make the charlotte trip direct flight it's easy i've been there i went and saw charlotte play cincinnati this past year and it was an extraordinary atmosphere and like a, a college football style tailgate scene beforehand too yeah it's at, a really, a it's a really cool place to go see a game sure. yeah that's right you've been in fact your experience there made me want to go and like i booked a ticket the next day <laughs> I, I, I
1: think mine was the home opener if i recall correctly
0: i think it may have been yeah because i march went like two 19th, weeks yeah, later it yeah it was it was a home opener it was near the beginning of the season at the very least yeah. so i went late march and uh, you went before i did great experience i i would add cincinnati to that and it was many many of you have been by now i've still not gotten to go up there uh for obvious on-air broadcast reasons those are done remotely <laughs> but i think that's one i would definitely pick if you've not been to mercedes-benz stadium it's cliche but it is a nice experience there um it, it's a city within that building for sure uh, and, and a good crowd
1: I think one more that I would add would be Chicago because then there will have more than like 78 fans. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's it. You can go and you can outnumber the fire fans as, <laughs> as Blackhawks fans do whenever they play the Preds down here. Turnabout is indeed fair play and Nashville. is hoping to finish higher than the Preds like they're going to finish this year. Anyway, uh, David, with our last New Year's resolution, he uh, says this is year three for me being a season ticket holder. I've honestly never once purchased official team merch. I have my gift scars and a, uh, scarves from being a season ticket holder and a whole shelf of supporters group swag. Keep kill for better team merch. Guys, help may be on the way. That's all I can say there based on a little some,
1: tease for you there. Yep.
0: Yeah. All right. So, time for ours. Here's mine. Here's my uh, New Year's resolution for Nashville SC. I'm looking at the season, and particularly when the season is new, when the season is young. Seven of their first nine games are going to come against playoff teams from a year ago. This is a league of parity. So there's no guarantee that all those teams are good. Again, you mentioned Montreal as an example. They're at game number three. They might stink early in the years they try to gel. But generally speaking, it looks like a tough schedule. You add to that Toronto who's going to be better probably because they have the mm-hmm. talent to be. My word is this. Seven of the first nine games against playoff teams from last year. Of those seven, Nashville needs results in five of them. That's what I'm going to say. You can drop a couple. You know, going to New England may be tough. I didn't make the playoffs last year. Going to Orlando, going to New York City, those are all in there. Red Bulls as well. And you're hosting some great teams. Five results of those seven. And you're putting yourself not only in a decent position of the table, but against teams that are Tim, probably going to be toward the top of that table.
1: Yeah, that's... it's. I don't know. Five results almost feels a little a little too pessimistic, but then yeah, I think about those teams that, that, that they're going against. And five and results, of are the four road. of
0: them, four of them wins. I'll say Yeah, okay, okay. Okay. Not, not five points here tough. in five games. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we've we've
0: been there, done that. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. I've I've got a I got one. I've got one that's like actually 1.5. So one of them is is take some sort of trophy this year. Um there are going to be more opportunities than ever you've got. Uh, Leagues Cup, you've got U.S. Open Cup, you've got MLS, um, both Supporters Shield and the MLS Cup playoffs uh, presented by somebody who doesn't sponsor our show. Um, so I think taking a trophy from from something there is is a lofty resolution. My, the one that I'm going to choose though, is to go undefeated against non MLS competition. And that kind of plays into that beat all the Mexican teams that you play in leagues cup, beat all the lower league teams that you play in us open cup. And you are going to potentially lose to a major league soccer team in a, in a semifinal or a final of either of those competitions. But you've stood up for kind of the the honor of the league. Yes. And you've established yourself. If you beat Liga MX teams, Um, you know, the first couple of those games are going to be in Nashville too. Mm -hmm. You are getting your product in front of an audience that can be absolutely massive. You know, El tree is the most popular soccer team in the United States. Uh, It's not the U S men's national team. It is, it is the Mexico men's national team winning over some of those fans who, who don't have an MLS team yet, but want to see teams from Mexico, from the country of their heritage come play in Nashville If Nashville can put its best foot forward, you are you are winning over a lot of hearts and minds and you can really set up the future of the franchise for a lot of success.
0: Yeah, we could talk about our concerns with this congested crazy schedule from a perspective. I don't care. It's gonna be so fun. I'm
1: not I'm not out there running around.
0: I know that's the thing. Like I, <laughs> I respect any player concern. I, I certainly I see two two corollaries to that. Number one, you mentioned it's going to be so good for the league as a whole. And Nashville is a market it's like a it could be a shiny example of, of the benefit mm-hmm. of League's Cup as you're growing a product. You've got a stadium you in a neighborhood of town where a whole lot of fans of Mexican squads or of international football are going to be, but also it's a chance to test your squad depth and give guys mm-hmm. opportunities. And we saw that in the America friendly that Nashville won in penalties, uh, great opportunity, play a legendary side, get fans to the, to the park. Many of whom I'm sure will be back this year because of their experience there mm-hmm. and also win in the process, which is,
1: yeah. Which and, is that, and uh, you know, El Tria is the most uh, the most followed soccer team in the United States. Club America might be number 2 so that was a good first <laughs> step forward in terms of Huge. Nashville kind of winning over some of the some of the you know fans who are following Liga MX teams but haven't picked an MLS team yet.
0: This has been a really fun show as as we get into our final whistle um Tim uh, what are you reading in the new year what are you taking into the new year any any content that people just need to start their soccer season with?
1: Um nothing nothing specifically soccer related if you want to hear what sort of books I'm reading I'm trying to go to the library more I I do go to the library a fair amount but I don't actually end up reading a lot of the books they just sit in my house and then I return them. Yeah. But the the one that I just finished uh is is completely non-soccer but it's um by a professor at Vanderbilt uh Jonathan M Metzel it's called Dying of Whiteness. It's uh it's not an uplifting read but it is it, I think it uh, is some important context as to some of the struggles in our society. Again, not soccer related if you uh feel like you uh, wouldn't agree with me on some of these topics that might not be a, a book for you, but definitely what I uh, just finished last night.
0: Agree or disagree. Always good to expose ourselves to, you mm-hmm. know, to, to viewpoints that, that are, that are out there. And uh, I might tend to agree with you on a lot of those topics. Uh, (laughs) I'll go with a a soccer book that I, um, that I finished over the holiday season and a non-soccer book as well. Two of my favorite books now that I've ever read, quite honestly. Um, The first Warren St. John's Outcasts United. I'm a decade late on this, Uh, (laughs) but it (laughs) it is, it is soccer and non-soccer all at once. It covers Mm -hmm. the uh, adventures of a soccer program in Clarkston, Georgia in a community that is perhaps the, um, most densely packed immigrant community in the United States. People coming from Liberia, from Sudan, from you know, Southeast Asia, uh, from, from all over Africa, and they formed a refugee soccer team called the Fugees, short for refugees. And the, the Fugees are an example, number one, of the beauty of our game in America and of the global game, that it's a language that all these kids could speak as soon as they got to the U.S., even if they spoke different languages it also shines a light to some of the anti-immigrant rhetoric and bias here, such as the mayor of a small town saying the soccer field can only be used for baseball, no soccer here. Mm-hmm. And eventually he is kind of forced to acknowledge the importance of this team to the community. And, and it's a story of victory, but also a struggle that helps us understand the immigrant and the refugee communities and many of the battles they have to fight that, quite frankly, you and I just don't have to fight on a, on a daily basis. Uh, number two, related to that, but not soccer, "The Road to Raqqa" by Jordan Ritter Khan. Uh, and and you actually heard an interview if you if you're a big lamestream sports listener elsewhere on the 40 Sports Network, Jordan appeared to talk about a different book uh, with Steve and Braden. And this is about a guy who owns a restaurant in Hendersonville that you should visit. I'm actually going to go this week called Cafe Raqqa. i would never been, but it explores the road to starting a restaurant. How, how does how does a the family of a tribal leader? in the deserts of Syria, end up leading a restaurant in Sumner County, Tennessee. And the story of getting out of Syria when things got bad and the family and of loyalty and, of again, American policy sometimes helping and being a shining light, sometimes not. Uh, it's it's a beautiful read, The Road to Raqqa. Yours I think is
1: dying. The, uh, the, the episode of Lambstream that I was the guest
0: on, they might have recommended that. Either. I think you're right. Yeah. So go back. That's my other recommendation. And listen to Tim's interview. <laughs> go On way Street, back. which is one of the top, I think, fifteen or twenty uh, of the year, according to the list that they rattled off. Neither of us made the top twelve, but I think we we're maybe not far off of that. Uh, we both got got a shout out there as they were counting <laughs> through the others in the standings. So uh, thanks to each of you for listening. We're going to be back uh, again every every Tuesday. We got a show for you. Uh, Sorry for getting this out a little bit late, but hey, holiday mode, trying to get back into the groove. Uh, Thanks to ML Rose for its sponsorship, Moon Taxi for the music, the beginning and the end local band, who, of course, has reached global heights. Uh, Rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend about this show, get them on board. Got plenty of time, a month and a half before the season starts um, to get ready. If you start listening now, we're going to cover everything from homegrown slots on the roster to the Syrian refugee situation and everything in between serious silly and uh, and then some thanks to the 440 sports network for the microphones and we will see you guys next week